Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's David Pembroke, and thanks for joining us in Transition, the podcast dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. I'm pleased to be here once again as we bring you the insights and wisdom of some of the most interesting people in the world of content marketing in government. Today, a real treat. We speak to an award-winning Australian government communications advisor. But before we do that, it's definition time. Content marketing is a strategic and measurable business process that relies on the creation, curation, and distribution of valuable, relevant, and consistent content to engage and inform a clearly defined audience with the objective of driving a desired citizen or stakeholder action. So to today's guest, it's Jo Scard, and she's the founder of the communication agency 50 Acres. Jo has played a number of roles, including as a senior advisor to the Australian federal government for over a decade. She also worked as a communication strategist in London, as a journalist for ITV, Associated Press, The Seven Network, SBS, the ABC and Fairfax. In 2013, Joe was named a finalist in the inaugural NAB Women's Agenda Rural and Regional Entrepreneur of the Year Award and was also nominated for the 2013 and 2014 Telstra Businesswoman of the Year Awards. And recently, Joe was awarded the Government Relations Practitioner of the Year at the Government Relations Summit. Congratulations, Joe, on winning that very prestigious award, and thanks very much for being on In Transition. Thank you for having me. When they gave you the award, when you reflected on that, why do you think they gave Joe Scard that award? I think for a couple of reasons. We've had, uh, since we set up five years ago, um, I suppose quite phenomenal growth. It was me and a laptop and my kitchen table and four clients when I first set up four years ago, five years ago. Um, and, you know, in that space of time, um, we've had close to a 500% growth in income or, you know, uh, not just turnover, but income. And uh, so I suppose it reflects, you know, and that growth doesn't happen, you know, because you do nothing. It happens because, People come back to work with you and um, and like what you do. And essentially, in government relations terms, which is not all of what we do, but it's about half of what we do as an agency, um, it means delivering for them, you know, for, in government relations terms, it means, you know, putting their objectives to government, uh, you know, getting some wins on the board, um, getting them new funding, uh, you know, get, influencing an agenda, changing policy or whatever it is that you're trying to prosecute. So, you know, it ultimately, ultimately means that we've done something right, I hope, um, and I think that's probably reflected in the award. And, and the fact that we're quite an innovative agency in the way we work, um, which I think people really find interesting about us, we, we're a virtual agency, we are real people but we and we do exist, but we don't have an office. So we all work from where we live or in co-working spaces. Um, and as a consequence, that's a, a great way of um, keeping some overheads down, but also just being an innovative, flexible 
uh, workplace. Yeah, I'm really interested to explore that um, later in the interview because I think this notion of distributed workforces and gathering people from wherever they might be, it doesn't have to be in Australia, it could be anywhere, but being able to draw down that expertise to apply to a particular uh, issue, problem, challenge, whatever it might be, I think it's really going to be the the future and I think you're really heading the way there, certainly in this part of the world. Absolutely. We've got, I've got someone who lives in a remote um, Indigenous community in the Northern Territory. She's not Indigenous, but she just happens to be living there with her partner and uh, she writes our websites. So, you know, we, 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 do, we do that now um, and it's, it's absolutely, you're absolutely right. So just before that, let's go back to some of those problems that you're solving and when people are coming to you and just exactly how you are using content and using content marketing to help them to achieve those objectives. Well, you know, people come to us with a range of problems. Some people say we want to overcome uh, this particular, uh, you know, logahead of, of, of issues as some sort of impasse that we've got with a particular policy or political problem um, and they're either working, you know, in by themselves or in collaboration with other companies or not-for-profits or organisations um, to influence that agenda, to, to try and change that. And that's, that's a very common problem. Sometimes people have very particular uh, needs so that they need to amend a piece of legislation with something very minor. Um, which has a sort of a broader agenda, obviously, but it's a particular niche uh, sort of action they need rather than a sort of a big picture policy issue. Um, and then some people really just want to engage with government in a broad sense. It's sort of future-proofing, if you like, and saying, well, <clears throat> if we talk to them now before we have a problem, that's uh, the best uh, course of action and that's absolutely our mantra that uh, the best time to talk to government is when you don't have a problem um, so that when you have a problem you can go back to them and you've established some connections. In terms of using content marketing, well, we do that in in a whole range of ways. Um, You know, we're working with clients. It's not just about face-to-face engagement with politicians because that's only one part of what you do. Um, It's about trying to influence an agenda in a whole range of ways. So that might be through, you know, online distribution of material through, you know, EDMs, you know, marketing emails, uh, through e-kits to politicians, to, uh, you know, social media platforms, the, the, the most appropriate ones given the situation. Uh, it might be, um, you know, really, I suppose, doing an e-blast in some way or other. So, you know, online is a really key tool for us to distribute content on whatever it is and sort of try and galvanise and generate interest in whatever it is we're doing. Um, The other way, of course, is, um, you know, your classical um, sort of traditional media. But media is no longer traditional, really, and it's very untraditional in many respects now because if you think about your own consumption, not many people are just reading a newspaper any longer. People are getting information from all sorts of ways. And so, you know, it's about giving people content uh, for online use. You know, even mainstream newspapers will take content from you and, and photos. Um, so it's about thinking what can we do with what we want to talk about and how can we package that in a whole range of ways? How can we package that content in a whole range of ways what, that will work and resonate with all of those different audiences that we're trying to influence with this particular problem. 
So in terms of your process, how can you give us a bit of an outline as to how you would go about solving one of these problems using all the various tools that you've just outlined? Sure. Well, I mean, the first thing you need to do when you sit down with the client is obviously have a discovery session with them and, you know, really unearth what the issue is. And, you know, often people want to do more than they think they need to or more than they actually need, actually need to. There's, you know, you don't often need to do every single thing on your shopping list. Um, and then we will, you know, depending on the, the, the sort of imperative of it, sometimes it's something you have to hit the ground running, but often you've got a week or two where you can prepare some strategic uh, guidance or an overview strategy uh, and a whole lot of recommendations about activities and so we'll recommend all of those things um, you know strategy or strategy plan or you know, obviously depending on the nature of the project um, and then we obviously you know work with the client on that make sure that they're on board and they're, they're along for the ride because it's absolutely imperative that they are you don't just plonk down a strategy and say this is what we're doing and off we go they've got to be on 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 board for it and understand the the reasons that you're you know suggesting all of these different courses of action um and then we then work with them to create all of that content uh whether that's you know delivering messages to politicians in the meetings whether that's delivering uh op-eds or other content to online platforms or other platforms, uh, whether it's delivering, you know, uh, messages through social media or any other types of ways, direct EDM marketing or whatever that is. So we work with the clients and then we get feedback from how that's working. So if we get a lot of take-up um, in, in one way or the other, we'll, we'll look at that and go, okay, that's working. Let's think about how we can do that again. Um, if something else fell flat well we think was there a reason for that uh, let's go back and have a look at that and you know could we do it better could we change direction so it's obviously about um reviewing what you're doing along the way it's not a static process so making sure that you know the clients are there and, and along along with you for that process just how important is it the development of the strategy component and following the strategy um look Strategies are there, um, but, you know, we've all worked with people, clients and projects where, you know, clients want a huge big strategy and they, you know, for whatever internal purposes or whatever it is and they want something that's got, you know, 63 matrices attached and 23 spreadsheets and 129 recommendations and that's all well and good and you can always produce that sort of document. But if that doesn't work unless it's actually can be practically delivered... Uh, or unless they're going to act on it, because there's no point in developing a strategy for something, except for something or for someone or an organisation or a company if they're not going to do anything about it. So I think you've got to gauge uh, very quickly when you first interact with them, what are they going to do? What do they need? Uh, you know, what will they use? What's going to work for them? What's within their gift in terms of budgets, in terms of resourcing? What, what, what's manageable? Um, and I'm not saying that you don't take them out of that comfort zone and stretch them and push them. You do, uh, and you do that in terms of sort of activities that they might do. Um, but you've also got to be very mindful if you're working with a you know peak body or an organisation or a not-for-profit that it's something that they can actually staff and they can actually resource. Uh, is there budgets to do it? 
Um, so, you know, there's no point in um, suggesting that you get a sky rider to write someone's <laughs> name in the sky if they can't afford it, you know. So, you know, you've got you've to think about what they can do and what they can't do. And I think that's pivotal to that strategy. Once you've got a strategy, the strategy is there as a bedrock. But, of course, you know, we all work, we're working in a creative industry. So, you know, creative industries are about, you know, being fleet of foot, responding to the immediacy of, of what someone's asking or telling you or wanting. Um, and so those those strategies need to be adapted and worked worked around. And that's not to say you throw out the baby with the bathwater and go, oh, we've got a strategy, that's great, that was that was that was excellent, but now we'll just do what we feel like. It's a bit of both really. You've got to you've got to work within it and with it. Um, because it's you've created it for a good reason. It it exists for a reason. But you've also got to, you know, if the journalists are all saying to you, um, you know, those three story ideas which we thought were going to be crackers, they're just not working, um, well, you know, you've got to think about plan B because, you know, if you just push ahead with plan A, plan A might, might not get, get you anywhere. Uh, with online content, um, you know, you can have a, an advertising campaign um, and, you know, it might go absolutely marvellously but at the same time, it may not be getting any hits at all, or not the sort of hits you're expecting. So you've got to have a you've got to review that and think, what can we do better? How can we change? And in terms of that agile approach, that ability to test and learn and to pivot, in in the main, how comfortable are your clients that you're dealing with? That you know you may have to change, that you may have to adapt, that you may have to be able to try something that you didn't anticipate. Do you find that they're comfortable when you come back to them and suggest, "Look, we're going to have to move on this. We're going to have to change." Yes, by and large, yes. Um, you know, there's some organisations that are different. There's every organisation has a different culture, um, and you deal with that culture. It's part of the role of being a consultant. We all have had those experiences, but. Um, by and large, I think they come to you because you've got a set of expertise that they don't have and they're, they're looking to you to provide that knowledge. Um, and so you're not, you're not, you know, they're not, they're not just sort of going to give all, give all, give up complete control and in, in, um, involvement with the issue and with the, the process. But I think they are looking for guidance. They are looking for that leadership. And so I think if you can bring the client with you, um, I really, you know, there's been, you know, yes, I mean, I've been a consultant now for 16 years professionally, both with this company and a previous consultancy where I worked for 10 years. Um, and, yes, you know, we've all had instances where we've had, a, we've had a, an objective and it's had twists and turns. Sometimes that's because the clients asked for it to change and, you you know, you realise that the agenda that you started with at the beginning now doesn't look like anything like it was or was meant to be. But, you know, sometimes you've got to go with that. Sometimes it's internal politics. Sometimes it's demands, um, budgetary demands, political, you know, all sorts, of, all sorts of reasons. And... You've got to go with that. And ultimately what I do is I, you know, look them in the face and I say, well, look, you know, I think we need to do this and I understand what you're asking. But, you know, fundamentally I think we probably need to stick to our guns. We need to, you know, steer straight ahead um, and push through with that agenda. We, we, we decided on that for a good reason, for these reasons. Um, and appreciate why you now want to do something different. But, you know, I think we really need to have a look at that. Um 
because, you know, being a consultant, you've got to be diplomatic. You can't just slap people over the face and go, you're wrong. Um, it doesn't work. You know, no one wants to be told that. You've got to have a good bedside matter. Um, otherwise, uh, there's no, no point in being in the business, really. Um, and so you've got to bring, bring people along with you, really. Um, otherwise, uh, I, don't think, I don't think you're a good consultant if you can't bring people with you fundamentally. It's like being in politics. I mean, a lot of people who work in government relations, as you know, are former government advisors, and I, I, I was one of those. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, if you're a politician, uh, they're not all perfect, but fundamentally they all should have a good bedside manner. Um, some of them have better bedside manners than others, but, you know, they should be able to bring people along for the ride and I think that's one of the skills that we should have. What's your advice to a government agency or a government department in how to get the best out of a relationship with a consultant such as yourself? Well, I've done a lot of work with government um, agencies and departments. Um, One of the ways that we've adopted and I think it's worked really well is we've found that we go into projects and there's I suppose an expectation that there will be something produced whatever that is and it's generally something that they can't do or they don't have the skills to do um, for, for whatever reason at that time and so you know we've worked on very large strategies we've worked on very large documents we've worked on annual reports we've produced films we've done all sorts of stuff and I think one of the ways that I've done, um, dealt with that, that process is to make sure that they are absolutely with you from the beginning. And we, there was one particular um, agency that we, that we had to prepare a very uh, large strategy for and they had engaged a, you know, um, a consultancy um, just six months before to come up with this very same piece of work. They didn't like that piece of work. Um, and so they literally went, we're going to have to go back out to, to, to market to find another agency to do something, you know, sort of a version two. We were, all, I was, you know, we were aware of that when we took on the job. And so, you know, part of the way that I deal with any client, and particularly the client that had just had that experience, was to go, okay, we're going to be working on this strategy. We're going to, we're going to check in with you absolutely very regularly right along the way so that you're absolutely completely across what we're wanting to do so you know that's doing a draft indicative sort of strategy overview which is like a sort of an executive summary or sort of almost like an essay plan of the strategy getting ticks on that that's great to proceed then working up a section to test language you know that's great moving forward to other modules etc etc and so having very regular meetings with them so that they're absolutely, you know, we're very happy and very on top of what we were doing. And I think for them that was a great way of them being able to get the most out of us. But for us that was the best way of making sure that at the end of that process when they got the 250-page document that it's what they wanted and they could use it. Um, And I think that's one of the things that I think of in agencies and departments are probably – you know, if you think about their own culture, they have very much a culture of, you know, that's gone over to the, that person on that desk and that will be coming back to me in five days because that's on the spreadsheet. Uh, and so, you know, the, you know, so it's quite, it, it's quite um, deliverable driven um, and process driven. And so I think you've got to, as a consultancy, 
you've got to be able to fit into that culture, that, that public servant um, service culture. Um, but as a uh, but as a as an agency, I think you've also got to go. We want to hear from you. We're asking you for your creativity. We're asking you to test us. And so, you know, for that particular strategy, and I'm not going to go into details about what that was. We came up with some really, really interesting, slightly out there suggestions because it was going to be an ad, ad campaign as part of it, and you know, bringing in all sorts of different um, different organisations and companies as part of that ad campaign, um, and and they they really loved loved them like they loved the ideas. Now they didn't all happen, but they loved the ideas. And I think it's about saying we want your create we want your creativity, but from the consultant's point of view. We need to work within the structures that that we know are there. Um, so there are limitations as a consultant, but I think as a as an agency, you've almost got to say we want to have this blue sky from you. We want to we want to have that creativity from you. Um, but at the same time, you can't go too crazy because they'll go right. <laughs> okay, uh, you're all a bit out there. Um, so you got to you just sort of tame that down a bit, um, you know, within the within some boundaries. But you can do that, I think. What's your views on you know disruption and digital disruption, and in this particular part of the world where essentially the the factors of media production and distribution have now been democratized, and every government agency, department, etc., can now be a media company. They can create their own video, audio, stills, text and graphics and there's multiple channels both offline and online to distribute that um, particular information and also the ability to measure, you know, the impact of that particular content creation and distribution. How well do you think government agencies are taking up that opportunity? Well, I think some of them are taking it up better than others. Some of them are very... um sort of still contemplating their navels and not really doing much about it. I think they they know they've got to do something, but if you look at their their social media platforms and their social media feeds, they're very linear and not creative at all. They're not particularly engaged. They're quite flat and they sort of deliver, deliver you know, um, parcels of information, but there's nothing, there's not a lot of energy in the delivery. Um, there are some departments who are doing it really well and integrating some of the things that they do do uh, into some really exciting um, content. You know, there's sort of all sorts of some of those have a very um, good reason to do so because they've got a lot of public interface and so they've been driven to do it a little bit earlier than perhaps some of the others. Um, but there are some of them who, who still, you know, have got a lot of work to do, I think. Um it's absolutely imperative that they do 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 it, and you know there are, um, you know, if you looked at every agency, they'll probably be they'll all, they'll all, they'll all be online, um, but you'll have vastly different um, quality of content um, from them all, and I think they could absolutely do it a lot better. And there there are there are you know, I've worked with an agency in the last year or so. Um, creating a film for them and, and a whole lot of um, visual tools to be able to promote some of the work that they were doing. And that was absolutely marvellous. Um, again, I worked with another agency creating a really evocative document that they did to talk about the work that they did um, all over Australia in, a, in, in the space they're in. Um, 
and it was beautiful. It was done photographically. We went out and wherever they were working, they had a huge array of different services that they provided. Um, They're in the sort of infrastructure transport space. And, you know, it was a fantastic document because it was sort of words meets, uh, you know, words meets the visual. And it was a beautiful document. Um, so there are some of them that go, we're prepared to be tested, we're prepared to try um, uh, and we're prepared to sort of go places that we haven't been before uh, but then there are others who go, mm, all we need is a whole, we just need a set of fact sheets and it'll be okay, you know, and I think that I think we've certainly moved beyond just having a set of fact sheets that are in the reception area. We need to have much more than that from government departments. They need to be responsive. Um, they need, you know, and I'm sure a lot of them are doing it very well. They need to be able to, to you know, be responsive to online criticism, online engagement. Um, they know that, <laughs> and uh, you know they. I think many of them are doing it well, but but some of them I think have got a bit of bit of a way to go. So just in terms of your agency and the way you run it, as we sort of get come towards the end of our chat today, just this notion of a of a virtual agency. Where did you get the idea, and can you? Take us on the journey from where it started to where it is now and perhaps about what are some of the challenges and what are some of the good things about operating a virtual agency? Sure. Well, when I um, I, I wrote a, a book, co-authored a book with Melissa Doyle from Channel 7 about seven years ago called The Working Mother's Survival Guide. And when we were writing the book, one of the things that it was a you know, practical guide for working mums about you know transitioning from work to being a mum to back to work uh, and one of the things that we um, very quickly discovered that one of the biggest issues for mums and work was the lack of real flexible working um, uh, workplaces so uh, you know when I had the opportunity to open my own um, agency I, I promised myself that I wanted to make that as flexible as I wanted myself so I created when I created the company it was basically so I could um, drop my kids off at school pick them up from school be available to take them to school sport be available to be at home with them um, you know most of the time or a lot of the time for homework now I'm not saying that I do that all the time that there you know as I say there's um the old saying, saying you need a village to bring up a child and I reckon we need at least two and a half to bring up our children. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I've got a lot of very good um, families that are help, helping us if we ever need. And we, we reciprocate, obviously. But we wanted to – I wanted to do that. I wanted to create a, a, a flexible environment. So when I started and I was working from where we live, which is a, a country property just outside of the capital, Canberra, I – um, you know, began that with no real um, plan to expand it to, you know, global, um, you know, sort of heights. But quite quickly, you know, we developed a, a client base and we, we went from strength to strength. And it, it was just easy. Um, I employed a bunch of people who were happy to work where they were. There was no real reason for us to take on an office. An office was really just an indulgence that we didn't need, a bit, a bit like, you know, upgrading from your ute to a Maserati or, you know, maybe something a bit less than that. But, you know, you don't need something flash because 
essentially with the sort of work we do creatively, we can be anywhere. Um, and when we meet clients, we can meet them in a range of places, usually in their own offices. So, you know, you actually don't need uh, an office. The thing, you know, you mentioned what's the limitations for us. I suppose for us, yeah, you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of staff. Uh, online discussions we have a lot of staff meetings uh, that are on the phone uh, we have we use a lot of collaborative tools that are online platforms like Basecamp and other other online tools um, and they all work really well um, we've I've never had an issue with any of any of that in terms of what the staff's doing and not doing that's not an issue um, I think probably the thing that you do miss is is just having someone in the room with you and so I what we've started in, in the last uh, little while is people working in co-working spaces. So we have a lot of interns, so we'll allow the interns to, to work in a co-working space. We'll have the staff in whatever city because they're spread all over Australia. There is 10 of us. Uh, and, you know, they can, they can pop in and be in there if they want. So we've adopted sort of even more flexibility if you like you don't have to be working at home you can all work you can work at a coffee shop or you can work at a you know a co-working space as well one of the great advantages actually of not working in an office is uh that we don't get we don't get sick um actually we don't get as much cold okay. and flu that we yeah which is interesting and i think you know you know obviously i don't sit here and you know never go out um you know i go out pretty much most days to meetings but because I'm not sitting in an office with uh, an air conditioning system, that's the, most of the staff are finding the same thing, um, that, that we just aren't getting the levels of cold and flu that we might have got when we were working in offices previously. So that's an interesting, um, uh, you know, positive spin-off, I think. It certainly – and it, it is going to increasingly go that way, isn't it? It's People are going to be demanding that, that they're going to demand exactly that flexibility that you're talking about. Everyone's going to want to stay off – the roads, stay out of the traffic jams, and if people can deliver their work to a acceptable standard or to a high standard, why why not draw them from wherever they might rest or wherever they live? Absolutely. I mean, I, I um, a lot about a lot of our clients are not for profits and organisations and government agencies. So for them, they don't want to spend uh, you know you know huge amounts of budgets um, if they don't have to. So if we can cut corners um, in a budget sense by saying we don't have the overheads of, a, of an office, uh, of the rent of an office each month and the costs that come with that, um, then then that's that's a good thing. I mean, all my staff are being paid well over the award wage. Um, they all get a whole lot of other benefits. Um, they have complete flexibility to pretty much do and, and work whenever they feel like it. There's, you know, that, yes, they have to be on a, on a staff um, client call, but apart from that... Um, they've got complete flexibility to work when they want, uh, and that's a very rare thing, I think, in a in a in a workplace uh, that you can really do the work when you feel like it or when suits you. So, most of, in fact, all our staff um, are women. Um, you know, not, there's nothing I've got nothing personal against men. I'm I'm married to one, but um, uh, but in, indeed, uh, it's just it's worked that way because I think that women are attracted to yeah. being available um, to do the things that I want to do, which is I want to drop my 10-year-old at school at, at, at quarter to nine. Um, so if someone says to me, can you be at meeting at nine? I go, actually, I can be, I can see you at 9.30. Mm. Uh, and I don't need to explain why. Um, 
and uh, and order my stuff. So and I'll always re- respect their uh, availability if they're not available because of whatever whatever reason, you know. Um, so I think that's a pretty unique workplace um, and, you know, and at the same time, you know, you, you get to do some really interesting creative work for really on really good projects. So it's a, it's a pretty good combination, I think. Well, congratulations on all of your success and certainly that innovation and obviously the, you know, your reputation and, you know, the results that you've been getting through 50 Acres. Fantastic for the clients, great for the industry and, May I wish you all the success in the world. Where might people be able to get in contact with you if they want to have a chat about a particular project or even maybe find out a little bit more about how this virtual thing works? Sure. Our website is www.50acres, that's F-I-F-T-Y-A-C-R-E-S dot com. And my email address is joe, J-O, at 50acres. It's F-I-F-T-Y-A-C-R-E-S dot com. Joe, thank you very much for spending some of your valuable time today here in Transition and some great advice there, everyone. Going back to just some of that strategic thinking that Joe does when she engages with her clients up front. And for you government agencies out there, when you are going to engage a consultant, be clear, be strategic and then be available. Don't just think they're going. the consultant's going to be able to read your mind and know everything. You know, get those conversations, sit down, talk, get it together, and then get that clarity. Because once you get the clarity, talented people like Joe and her team can get in and solve the problems for you. Because as content marketing, it's all about you do have the ability to connect to the people who are there for you to achieve your business objectives. So everybody's on the grid. It is content that will create that connection. So get some smart people working with you to solve those problems. Thanks once again to Joe Scard. Great insights. And I really love the innovation around that virtual offices. And I know lots of people will be thinking about how can we enjoy this wonderful life that we all have and do it in a way where we're not tied to a desk. So Joe, thanks very much to you for being on In Transition once again. Thanks very much to all of you, wherever you are listening anywhere in this beautiful, wonderful, wide world of ours. We'll be back next week with another fantastic guest. Have a great week. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.